0: You, 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 you know the the you, you know the the
1: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton.
2: <laughs> Tristan Carcino.
1: And we are joined by Ben Baldwin, his third Pelton brother, today to help us discuss the most important news in Seattle sports. Troy Fautano is headed to uh. the NFL. No. Uh. Somehow, I'm completely shocked, even though barely 12 hours ago, in this same spot, on this very podcast, I said, Pete Carroll said he planned on coming back. The Seahawks didn't say they planned on Pete Carroll coming back. And we learned Wednesday morning that they do not plan on him coming back as head coach he has transitioned to an advisor role. Uh, and I, I should do the air quotes, an advisor role. Instead, after 14 seasons with the Seahawks. Tristan, you spoke this into existence. What do you yeah, think f- this morning?
2: The power of the retire bitch is quite quite wild because if Jim Harbaugh also comes here, Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, then we'll know something's really going down. Dan Lanning, he got it twice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if Dan Lanning is the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, we'll know the power. Uh, I was literally on a Zoom talking about digital ads and reactive market analysis. And you said in the chat, "this," you said WTF and a thing from Adam Schefter. And I was like running through my brain. I was like, I know this is something big. And finally, I just like picked up my phone underneath the Zoom camera and looked at it. And I was like, I appreciate what you're saying, digital. This is in my head. I didn't say this out loud. <laughs> but I was like, I appreciate what you're saying about digital ads in Prague or whatever, but I cannot think about anything else in this moment. So I, it was it was shocking to me, to be honest. I mean, I told you literally 12 hours ago that Pete Carroll was coming back. This was something that I didn't think organizationally that they, that they were willing to move on from Pete Carroll at this time. But Ben, we only have you for 15 minutes. So I want to hear your thoughts right now.
0: Yeah, I was also very surprised. It's one of those things where something is there for so long that you never really think about that it it could ever change. And I didn't think they would move on from him. That seems like a very large change to make with the, like at some point, presumably the team's ownership is going to have to change hands, right? So what I kind of expected was that it would just kind of go on like this the team wasn't that bad they finished with a winning record although not in the most <laughs> impressive fashion in their last game and you can point to all these young players to maybe talk yourself into being optimistic and the the ownership group has been very patient with this team as they've had the same coach for a long time so I like Tristan and I was working I was in remote desktop writing code and suddenly every discord slack text message like everything that could bring started ringing. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna minimize this and see what the heck is going on. And then you do the the thing with the Adam Schefter, make sure this is the actual account with 10 million followers and not yeah. some fake Adam Schefter. And then I was like, okay, wow, we really are going to have to think about what is next, which I think is kind of exciting. And then 30 seconds later, I, I saw that Dan Quinn is gonna be considered very strongly for the next side coach. And now my excitement is gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was it
1: <laughs> I, I discovered it in the most amusing fashion possible i was writing about the Kawhi leonard contract extension that was announced this morning so i was on Woj's twitter account looking through his tweets reporting that move and he had retweeted Schefter about <laughs> p carroll so it was on Woj's page that i got the Schefter bomb i i guess let's start with like ben you've obviously wanted this change for a period of time going back to when it seemed like and and it surely was a choice between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Like, did did you ride the Pete coaster this season? You know, it was uh, we talked about how short recently it was. We were saying we didn't think he was going to get fired. It was also not that long ago that we were enjoying, you know, the video of can you win the game in the first quarter, etc. After the Eagles game, did you ride it this season? Was there a point where you wanted to keep Pete Carroll as coach, or were you always ready for a change?
0: I think I have been ready for a change, but not not to the point where like I couldn't enjoy the enjoyable moments of the season. And as we'll review eventually coming into the season, I was somewhat optimistic about the Seahawks and especially their offense. And I think a lot of that bore out and they were a fun team to watch on one side of the ball at times or from most of the time. And they weren't like, they weren't a miserable team to watch. They just, they were, they had their moments of frustration that you guys have covered extensively on the podcast after some of these games, like, the most recent Steelers loss, which in hindsight is probably what ended up dooming his tenure here. So yeah, I again I, I was ready for change, but we'll see the extent to which change is actually happening. If if it's a if it's a Mike Vrabel, if it's a Dan Quinn, then I don't know. Yes, it's a different person with a different approach, but I could see our annoyances <laughs> being the same annoyances going forward, which would be kind of frustrating.
1: I mean, this is a point that you've made on the podcast before is that when you have a defensive-minded head coach that you're reliant on finding a strong offensive coordinator to be good on that side of the ball, and then they potentially can be promoted, although that's that's something that never happened in the entire Seahawks era, kind of amusingly. And then, you know, the you don't necessarily guarantee yourself strong defenses with a defensive-minded head coach. I think that's probably what ultimately did Pete Carroll in. You know, if you want to talk bigger picture than that Steelers loss specifically, it was the same thing that we were frustrated about that you've made all these changes, you keep shuffling through defensive coordinators and players and the results are the same. And as you've noted, Dan Quinn's Atlanta defenses were not very good. And when they won, it was because of Kyle Shanahan's offense and Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think that's, it's really the... I think flaws may be too strong, but like the false premise of a coaching search is you you go and you look for a team that has a good defense and you say, I'm gonna hire this defensive coach and he's going to make my defense good. And we like we the Chargers are like cherry picking a very strong example of this not working out for them where they they had a Brandon Staley's defense was very good when he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and it was very bad with the Chargers. And that's what worries me about. Dan Quinn for example where they his defenses were not good in Atlanta Atlanta, but he goes to a team that just drafted Micah Parsons and they've been very good and that's even if we're not talking about the like coaches that have had head coach experience like your Vrabel or Dan Quinn someone like Mike McDonald of the Ravens who's gotten a lot of head coaching buzz he's he's younger a lot of people are very excited about him and I get it to some extent but if the primary reason for looking at him as a candidate in the first place is, Oh, their defense is really good. So he must be a good coach. I, I just, I don't think we've seen evidence that that is actually a good process for hiring your next coach.
1: I think the premise is that Michigan's defense was very good.
0: (laughs) I, I think
2: what you're relying on is the things that we know to be true is that offense is more consistent year to year than defense. Defense is generally inconsistent from year to year. And I think, if If we were to to extrapolate that or whatever, defense is probably a little bit more reliant on players, and offense is probably a little bit more reliant on scheme. Does that seem fair?
0: i I think that might even oversell it or undersell it. sorry. um I, I think it's a lot easier to see tangible repeated benefits of offensive coaches with these schemes where, Yes, the 49ers have a lot of talent, but every year that they have a healthy quarterback, they have a great offense, and, and we've seen um, the Dolphins have an elevated offense once they got their new coach, and um, even um, like the Packers have been very happy with their offensive-minded coach, and talent matters on both sides of the ball, but I think the the degree to which scheme might Matter is just so much more noticeable on the offensive side where the defense, it seems, it seems like it's just so much about players and so much about who your opponents happen to be.
1: We want to talk about specific candidates for a little bit here. Uh, you've gone on the record is endorsing Eagles offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson.
2: Lions. Lions. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Eagles. <laughs> <have> <laughs> Ryan
1: Johnson. Yes. Uh, he's who is being interviewed by the Panthers, but uh, I don't think it's your endorsement.
0: Yeah, I. The the quote-unquote film people seem impressed with him. Whenever I watch the Lions, they seem like um, they definitely know what they are doing. Their offensive line wasn't... It, it's very good this year, but I don't think it was that great, at least in pass protection last year. And he, and together with Jared Goff, I, I thought did a good job of mitigating that. And that might be a situation that the Seahawks the find themselves in if their struggles this year continue going forward. And other than him, I don't know how many... Guys from the offensive side are getting that much buzz this year. It seems like him and then a ton of defensive guys.
2: Yeah, that that was the thing that made me nervous about this. We'll talk about Pete Carroll and what he meant to the organization once Ben's gone. We'll have the cold heartless. We'll have let Ben have the cold heartless conversation. But the Ben Johnson, you would assume that he's taken some of the fourth down aggressiveness from D- Dan Campbell because we've seen that, right? He also, the way that you're able to make a defense good is by finding talent that isn't necessarily, you don't have to invest a high draft pick in. Amon Ra St. Brown was third round pick, I think. Jared Goff was included in the deal, but they've turned those two players into Amon Ross, a superstar caliber wide receiver, and Jared Goff as a playoff caliber quarterback who is basically being cast off. They did invest pretty heavily in the offense this draft, but they didn't necessarily need to. You know, like the difference between them having Jameer Gibbs and them not having Jameer Gibbs probably wasn't the playoffs or not this season. So I'm sure he was helpful. But by finding those players and not having to invest all of your resources there and being able to go out and find players who might might you might be able to get later on in the draft or something like that, and then being able to invest heavily in resources for defensive players. That's kind of how you make this work. And it's similar to what I mean, the Chiefs obviously locked into Patrick Mahomes, but like. The chiefs have done this and they've invested over and over and over again in their defense to the point now that their defense might even be better than their offenses.
1: I mean, you look at uh, the track record in, in Detroit. So, Uh, Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator under Dan Campbell the first year that Jared Goff was there. They were 29th in offensive DVOA. They improved to 7th in Johnson's first year, 5th this season. So that's a pretty dramatic year-over-year turnaround. The personnel got better. St. Brown uh, was going into his second season. But I I think definitely you know you can see why he would get a lot of credit schematically for that. How, How do you feel about the idea of, and it seems unlikely, but how would you feel about Jim Harbaugh?
0: There's an awkward silence here. It's just, Uh, (laughs) it is hard to look past like how everywhere he has gone, he has turned them around. So here's my Stanford bias speaking to some degree where Stanford is usually horrible. They were horrible before he got there. He came in, he dramatically turned the program around and then he left. It was kind of a slow decline afterwards. We saw the same thing with the 49ers and now Michigan again. I think it's a lot easier to do in college where... Recruitment is such a big part of it, and you are able to place yourself on unequal footing with other teams where it's a lot harder in the NFL, where you have the same salary cap and the same access to draft picks and the same everything. So,
2: I'm going to also note here though, (laughs) I I don't mean to defend Jim Harbaugh because he's been in Pelton Castle Foil for many years, including this week. But one of the like, Stanford wasn't recruiting at the caliber that they were playing. And one of the points about Michigan this last week is that Michigan five-star talent-wise, is nowhere near the level of Alabama, who they beat, Ohio State, who they beat. They're closer to Washington than they are the elite-level teams. Like, yes, Jim Harbaugh has been a good recruiter, but he's been a better developer of players at slightly lower talent.
0: Yep, I think that's fair. The other question I would have about him would be whether, and we saw it work with the 49ers, but whether he really wants to run the ball and play that, it's almost like hiring a defensive minded coach where he just wants to run all over teams and obviously that that worked in Stanford and Michigan and the running games were really good. and even the 49ers when they had Colin Kaepernick, but is that a recipe for success in this version of the NFL? I am a little skeptical and that's why if I had to pick, I would pick Ben Johnson and then the other one we forgot to mention was Bobby Slowick, who's the offensive coordinator for the Texans. He's the other kind of offensive side of the ball shanahan influence young coach that has been getting some buzz too
1: yeah he's he's already scheduled to interview for some jobs including carolinas i i mean i think the interesting thing about harbaugh and this is kind of a contrast to carol is like i, I had a conversation about this with a friend of the pod dan feldman who also said that well he wants michigan to keep harbaugh he would absolutely love listening to the pelton cast about the seahawks hiring jim harbaugh that they rethought things, brought in outside coordinators ahead of the 2021 season, including Mike McDonald before he went to the Ravens. And that's what took them from a team that was, you know, good. They were winning 10 games a year most seasons to in the playoff the last three years. And that's the transition that I think Pete Carroll has not been able to make these past few years to kind of objectively take a step back and say, what we're doing isn't working. We need a pretty dramatic overhaul.
2: On the the defensive side of the ball.
1: Right. Yeah. Offensively, it wasn't necessary. So,
0: just out of curiosity, how would you guys feel if it were Shane Waldron?
1: I mean, I I think offensively it's it's amusing because again, Seahawks fans <laughs> seem to wanted to get him fired and everyone else in the tape world in particular seemed to think the Seahawks were running amazing stuff. I like how well that translates to that that's the other piece of this is one of the things we can't know from the outside is how does that translate to leading an entire team? How does that translate to managing a game? We just have no idea, but you know, if the Seahawks felt positively about that, I'm not opposed to it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I I do think there's something to, that just football is going to be football and there's a slow progression of the sport, but you still need to lead people, right? And we've seen players out there, we've seen coaches like Josh, Josh McDaniels not be able to do that, right? Who was it's hypothetically true. an offensive-minded coach, but just be so unable to lead a team. I think that would make me nervous about Shane Waldron. And I also just, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Like that that to me is kind of the main thing is I don't I don't see it I don't see them hiring a Bobby Slovak or a Shane Waldron. I think maybe Ben Johnson, it'll be a conversation. But even then, I really strongly think this is gonna be probably closer to the Pete Carroll world, whether that is frustrating or not. I don't think it's going to be just like a complete 180 degrees from where they were before. They're going to want somebody to help with this transition. Uh, so I, I think we're probably most likely going to end up in that Dan Quinn type of Mike Frabel type of territory. And that's not saying that I want that to be the case, but just kind of what I expect to be the case. I think we would still have to see how those coaches are at leading a team because the ones who've been successful at it, the people who are offensive minded, And have been successful at the NFL level are people who have NFL level pedigree for a long period of time, which Shane Waldron doesn't have the reputation in the way like Sean McVay, Sean McVay was fucking anointed, right? Kyle Shanahan was anointed. Andy Reid has been there forever. I mean, and I agree
1: it, with that and also the nepotism, but Mike McDaniel, I feel like, is an Mike, interesting contrast to that. Mike is, McDaniel
2: is probably the only one that you can look at. There's still a piece of it where it's kind of like, because of the personality, Mike McDaniel stands out a little bit more, and he's in Miami where it's like, that can fit a little bit more, but even Dan Campbell, right? Dan Campbell is somebody who's like, a, he's a tough football coach type of player. He was an offensive player. He's maybe offensive minded, not even really exactly clear, but I mean, that is his background.
1: He was an offensive coordinator. Yeah,
2: he is. He is a football player in a way that Shane Waldron just isn't at the level that Dan Campbell is. So I think that's kind of I think you almost need one of those factors of the the name pedigree, the history, being an offensive player like that. Like, I think that's going to make it easier. It's interesting to me. I mean, I'm not saying that. He had a great season in Washington. That Eric Bieniemy is just gone from this conversation, and I do think Eric Bieniemy is somebody who both has the pedigree of being an NFL player, has led Super Bowl-winning offenses over multiple seasons, has been very good. I I would be excited for him at the very least to get an interview, and it, it does feel like I mean the Chiefs' offense. People point to the receivers and look, maybe Travis Kelsey just significantly fell off this season. Then the chiefs receivers were way worse, but I do think Eric the enemy, like Eric the enemy won a super bowl without Tyree kill in Kansas city. And the offense doesn't look that different than it did last year. The defense is better than they were last year, but they still are a worse team overall. So I would like for Eric, the enemy to be somebody who I feel like can fit that, that scenario. Ben, before you go, was this the right decision?
0: It's so hard to answer this without really, really hard n- questions. Without knowing who they're going to hire instead, so well, that's they, that's <laughs> how you got to
1: answer it. They don't necessarily know who they're going to hire. I mean, maybe they have someone in mind.
0: So I'll say yes because the probability that they hire again the someone very similar to Pete Carroll is less than one, even though it does seem very high. Um, but thanks for letting me get off all my takes, and I'll look forward to listening to the rest.
1: Thanks so much, thanks, ben. ben. Yeah, I mean.
2: we talk about Pete Carroll?
1: Well, let's finish on the coaching search, and then we'll do the Pete Carroll piece of this. You mentioned interviewing me. So when the Seahawks went through this process the last time, they did know they were going to hire Pete Carroll. Like there were other interviews conducted in accordance with the NFL rules to to satisfy uh, hiring, interviewing minority coaches. But they knew all along Pete Carroll was their guy when they fired Jim Elmora. And it was just a matter of getting that contract done again. Maybe that's the case with Jim Harbaugh here and we don't know it. It seems unlikely. And if that's not the case, I want the most exhaustive coaching search possible interview everyone, even if you don't think that they're a good coach, like it's just good practice to a, you know, talk to these people and b learn what they're doing with their other teams. Because one of the things about the Seahawks, and I think this has been for the most part a positive, but you know. They did have brought in some outside coordinators, but it's been the same coach, some of many of the same members of the coaching staff for 14 years. And there can be a bit of staleness and stagnation in that. And I would like the Seahawks to be aggressive and sort of cherry picking the best ideas from other teams, whether they hire that individual coach or not.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think part of the reason that I, I, thought maybe they should run it back for one more season of Pete Carroll was because I didn't like the coaches who were out there for this particular coaching search season. And I I think that they must have had an idea of who they want to bring in before they did this. I don't think they did it and they were just like, Pete Carroll, we are done with you. We have no idea what's next. I think they had a sense of like, we like one of these other people. I mean, we didn't mention Kellen Moore's name, who probably isn't at the at the scale of being offered a head coaching job. But again, would we be excited about Kellen Moore as the head coach? I think we absolutely would. And I think Kellen Moore has a little bit more of that institutional football piece. Uh, he's been an offensive coordinator in a bunch of different places. He's been on a big scale in Dallas, especially. He went went to LA, where I think the offense was still good, with Kellen Moore prior to the Justin Herbert injury, but it was honestly Brandon Stanley was more closer to a Pete Carroll type situation of a defensive coach who had just had a bad defense. But if it was a combination of, I I would be shocked if Shane Waldron was back as offensive coordinator and I like Shane Waldron. So that would be disappointing. But if it was something like Kellen Moore plus somebody else to me, I am actually less down on Dan Quinn than I think, uh, than maybe Ben is because Dan Quinn has the institutional knowledge. It, it'll it feel like an extension of Pete Carroll, but also everybody's on notice that this is not like they're not going to let people get stale and tired here. This team has to win. And they fired Pete Carroll after back to back nine and eight seasons. And let's be clear. This was a Pete Carroll they,
1: fire. No, they would 10 and seven, didn't they, the year
2: before? No, back to back nine oh, and eight okay. seasons. So they were seven and ten with Ross the last year, I think. But they fired Pete Carroll after two winning seasons, and that is that is not acceptable. That is not good enough. I'm honestly at this point, I'm I'm a little shocked and a little impressed with Jody Allen and the Seahawks on on a uh, ownership level. They were willing to make this move because that is a really really hard move to make to move on from the head coach who brought you the first Super Bowl in Seahawks history, who went back the next season, who led led presided over the best tenure in Seahawks history, the best period in Seahawks history. They have both been willing to move on from Russell Wilson and move on from Pete Carroll in that time period. This ownership group, I think we've, we've documented this because of some of the sexism that exists around having a female owner. Like, Jody Allen is doing the fucking thing in a way. I mean, honestly, I guess Tennessee, same thing, right? But like, Jody Allen is doing the thing and saying this isn't good enough. Because this is an on-the-field decision. The team's making money. Everything else is fine. The organization seems fine overall. There's not chaos. They're saying, we need to win more in Seattle, and we do not believe what you are doing is helping us do that winning. And the same way that we we've literally fought about this yesterday, what Pete Carroll was doing as head coach of the Seahawks was not helping them get to the place that they needed to get to and winning another Super Bowl. Because it's amazing what Pete Carroll did in the past and who he was. But at this point, who Pete Carroll was, was not winning them enough games this year. It wasn't getting to the playoffs this year. And it wasn't setting them on a path to go win a Super Bowl eventually. I mean,
1: I still hoped that as we've talked about in this pod, and as I just alluded to with Harbaugh, that there was that possibility of, hey, let's take everything that Pete Carroll was doing from a leadership perspective and a big picture perspective, and convince him to make some incremental changes on defense in particular. And you know that's how the team can get where it needs to go. But you know, I, it would be interesting to know what those conversations looked like. The fact that this didn't happen the day after suggests to me that it wasn't just about the record and the team performance, it was also about those conversations about the future of the team, much those as things we are saw about Mike the Grable. record
2: and the team performance, though. Those, those things are it's all them. the same.
1: But like if if you were going to fire Pete Carroll because the Seahawks didn't make the playoffs this year, you would have done it on Monday. Not you know, Pete Carroll, two days Pete later. Carroll
2: also deserves a certain level of respect. And
1: I, I agree with that, but I don't know but that there's what
2: you're saying, if what you're saying is we are not happy with the on-field results, things need to change in a drastic way. And we need to bring in people that's still because of the on-field results. What, like
1: without question. But I'm saying what I'm saying is I think there is probably a scenario where Pete Carroll had answered those questions differently, he could have kept his job.
2: Sure. And that's fine. Pete Carroll doesn't need to. Like Pete Carroll doesn't need this job. Aside from Pete Carroll wanting to literally coach and win forever. Like Pete Carroll's fine. Pete Carroll has accomplished in his football coaching career more than almost anybody ever. He's a Hall of Fame football coach.
1: Like, I mean, they they had the graphic the other day of you know Harbaugh becoming the second coach to win a college football playoff championship and make the Super Bowl, but like Pete Carroll didn't just make the Super Bowl; he won it and went twice. Like he has unassailably the greatest combo college NFL success of any coach in history.
2: Yeah. All right, so we're, wait, are we talking about Pete Carroll now?
1: Uh, I think we are making that transition. The one thing I did want to say, though, about ownership is I, I think another factor in this, besides the sexism, is this sense that Ben sort of mentioned that, that because of the fact that Jody Allen is the trustee of the Paul Allen uh, Trust, that it's an interim thing and all indications continue to be that there is no hurry to sell out the Seattle Seahawks or the Portland Trail Blazers, that Jody Allen will continue running these teams for the foreseeable future. So I don't think that's a factor in this decision at all. Well,
2: the Blazers obviously went through, you know, the last couple of years, similar things to what the Seahawks have gone through. They moved on from their greatest player in franchise history. And, you know, they've kind of turned over the entire team and rebuilt it around a young core. I don't think that's what's going to happen with the Seahawks here. I think the Seahawks actually have done that work. I still, even after this move, we'll see you the next head coaches. I think the roster is still going to look largely the same. I don't think we're going to see like a Pete Carroll style.
1: Because it's not necessary.
2: No, it's not. There's a lot of good young talent on this team. Overall, there could be even more good young talent on the team had they not made some of the moves that they made throughout the season. And I do think that's a little bit part of it, where it's just like, you have how old is Pete Carroll? 72? Yes. You have a 72-year-old head coach. You have to be like, dude, It's not this is not the time to go trade a second round pick for Leonard Williams and John Schneider is
1: also very much part of those decisions. And John Schneider will be continuing on. Uh, Carroll said in his press conference, which is ongoing as we record this, that he will be leading the uh, search for a new coach along with ownership.
2: John will. Yeah. Pete Carroll said that
1: John Schneider will. Yeah.
2: But Pete Carroll said that John Schneider will. Yes. Wow. How strange. So I mean he's obviously going to have some a a role within the organization. I mean that would be part of it as if it were Dan Quinn who is coming in. Somebody who Pete obviously knows well. Dan Quinn is ready to be another head to be a head coach in the NFL. Like I don't and I think he deserves some credit for did he was he the one who hired Kyle Shanahan?
1: Uh I mean he didn't inherit Kyle Shanahan so I would assume so.
2: I mean maybe him personally but like Kyle Shanahan was hired after Dan Quinn was the head coach of the Falcons. Correct. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's freaking beat the Seahawks in the playoffs, right? Like, or no, that wasn't Dan Quinn who beat the Seahawks. No, it was. Okay. I want to talk about Dan Quinn for a second. Dan Quinn is ready to be a head coach in the NFL again. He's done a couple of things, like literally back to back. If you could think of two better head coaches to be your offensive coordinators than Kyle Shanahan, Steve Sarkeesian. Like, you have to give him some credit for that because there aren't that many coaches who under them have had offensive coordinators who are that successful. So if that's something that Dan Quinn is willing to do, which clearly has shown us that he is willing to do, I don't like the idea of a defensive-minded head coach who doesn't have a good defense. At the very least, the Cowboys have a good defense right now.
1: And I think that Ben is a little bit undercrediting Dan Quinn because, you know, he's giving a lot of the credit to Micah Parsons is an incredible individual talent, which he is, but also. Micah Parsons wasn't drafted as an edge. Like that wasn't the plan for him. That wasn't, you know, I don't think it was how he was used at Penn state. That was Dan Quinn who put him in that role and unleashed him to really do what he's done the last couple of seasons. So I, I, I do think that he deserves a degree of credit for that. Uh, yeah, Dan Quinn did hire Kyle Shanahan. It was was his call. So I, I agree. I'm not as down on it as Ben is. Uh, should we shift to the, the Pete Carroll part of this conversation? Yep. Look, greatest coach in Seahawks history. I mean, it's tough to compare professional and amateur coaches, but I think you'd probably have to say that he's the greatest professional coach in Seattle sports history. Like it's him, Lenny Wilkins, Brian Schmetzer, I suppose. I, I don't know who else is even in that conversation.
2: Professional coach, is that what you said? George Carl. So so we're taking out Don James?
1: Yeah, because it's just different. You coach a K- college Cain team DeBoer, so much we're, longer. We're taking out? I don't,
2: yes. Okay. yes. Definitely the winningest, but okay. Um, Percentage-wise. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think Pete Carroll is the best coach in Seattle history, period. Excluding nobody. And and what he has done and achieved with this team. It is impossible to separate it from also having Russell Wilson. But the run that we had as that Seahawks team for five or six years, it was the most fun being a fan of a professional sports team that I've ever had in my entire life. And having week after week, especially for kind of the the three main seasons or four main seasons, right? Where it was there there was the beginning. Russell Wilson's rookie year, there was the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl again, and then the next year where they were actually better than those previous three teams. Like, those four seasons were the most fun being a sports fan, excluding nobody, excluding Kangaroo Jr., the Sonics run, anything like that. Like, that was the most fun that it was being a sports fan. Not professional, not college, sports in general, in the city of Seattle. It was fucking incredible, right? Like, it was amazing to see those personalities to see those players to have Pete Carroll on the sideline he is so good and he was so excellent at doing that piece of what he needed to do he assembled the defense he built the team up he handled everything very very well he handled Russell Wilson the beginning of Russell Wilson's career very very well as well he was willing to install him as the starting quarterback as a third round pick right out of the gate like Pete Carroll did many amazing things during that time period, and that's why he's easily, to me, the best coach in Seattle history.
1: Yeah, and he still leaves the organization a good place because of the Russell Wilson trade, and they did resist some degree of temptation to try to immediately pivot back into success. Obviously, the Leonard Williams trade was frustrating given the timing of that one and and the way things worked out. But, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I said that you have to separate professional and amateur coaches because a coach can have so much Longer ten years at the college level, and you know they, they have so much more influence. But in many ways, the Seahawks were like a college program because of the continuity that they had with Pete Carroll over the last fourteen years. And you think about the alumni that have been involved here, and even players who parted on bad terms, like Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman, and you know even to a degree Bobby Wagner with the way that his release was handled. Coming back to the organization, and you know the fact that you've had this direct line where you know, Richard Sherman is helping coach up Rick Woolen or, you know, giving him advice and that sort of thing. And Michael Bennett with Boye Mafé and and Jenna Nuosu and so on and so forth. Like that's been an awesome part of being a Seahawks fan and, and is a huge credit to Pete Carroll and the culture that he's built. And like, I don't believe in everything about Pete Carroll's philosophy, obviously, the fourth downs, the lack of you know, I think the lack of willingness to see where things were going wrong, the perpetual optimism, but win forever, like I actually think is an amazing outlook for a coach. And there are so many things uh, that, you know, not just in terms of my vision for what a coach is, but like even the way I own, live my own life has been influenced by the win forever. Winning philosophy. forever.
2: Uh, no, I mean, Pete, Pete Carroll, bo- both an amazing coach and an amazing person and a person who you felt proud to represent the city of Seattle. I think it was time. And I I think eventually, I don't want to say that the game passed Pete Carroll by because I don't know if that's exactly it, but people probably do underestimate aging curves with coaches and they assume that coaches are going to be exactly the same forever. I, I think Pete Carroll really fully understood where football was a decade ago. And at this point, football's moved and football is in a different place than it was 10 years ago. And part of that is, means that the things, you know, Pete Carroll He did a very, he did a good enough job in having more of a motion offense, but it was never fully there. And he still relied a little bit too much on the run, still was willing to draft running backs too high, still wasn't great on fourth down decisions. In fact, I think because that Steelers game moved to one of the worst in the league in fourth down decisions this year, he learned at certain times, but ultimately where Pete Carroll was, there are coaches who are half his age, who are Ben Johnson is younger than I am. Ben Jons- Johnson is I believe exactly half of Pete Carroll's age. So that it's a significant difference in the kind of football you're talking about. You know, he's not talking about like Bud Adams and those aren't the the touchstones for Ben Johnson. He's the type of coach who's just kind of entering his prime and I I I think for Pete Carroll this is the perfect time for him to move on. You know, he's leaving after two winning seasons. He doesn't have to have the 4 and 12 season or whatever like Mike Holmgren had at the very very end. Right? Pete Carroll managed to leave as much as possible on his own terms, having overseen the greatest run in Seattle sports history. It's an extraordinarily impressive thing what he accomplished. He's number one. There's no Mount Rushmore. It is Pete Carroll on his own.
1: Yeah, more, more photos of Pete Carroll. Uh, ben Johnson is 37 for the record. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting contrast, though, in what you're saying is Bill Belichick in New England, like the guy who succeeded Pete Carroll amusingly as well as beat him in Super Bowl 49. But given despite everything that the Patriots accomplished in Bill Belichick's tenure, like assuming it ends this off season, it's gonna end in some degree of disgrace based on the way that this season went and you know the way that relationships have have been broken there. So Pete Carroll is not doing that. This is amicable. This is it's it's a sad day but it's it's also a happy day to commemorate that everything that Pete Carroll accomplished as head coach of the Seahawks and what he brought to Seattle.
2: I I think that is absolutely it. This is a day to celebrate Pete Carroll, not to think about what could have been and and not to I I think a lot of people are like mad at the organization. I think the organization kind of did they did Pete Carroll a little bit of a favor here also by just you have to know when to call it. I mean you talk about I you tell me about Pop in San Antonio but Sometimes you can overstay your welcome. And sometimes you can tarnish your your legacy a little bit. That's not going to happen to Pete Carroll at all. Pete Carroll's legacy is still going to be amazing. He's the guy who traded Russell Wilson and got the team back to the playoffs the very next year. I don't think he was going to win a Super Bowl with this roster or with this scheme. And I think it made sense for this to be the year that Pete Carroll moves on. But at the same time, to be able to move to a different part of the organization after the season that he had, it's an amazing thing for Pete Carroll. So I, again, I love Pete Carroll. In, any complaints that we had about him are have never been about Pete Carroll personally and have only explicitly been on the field. And I think that this is happening at the exact right time. So it, it's a celebratory day to me. And also, like, there's a reality to this. of Football is supposed to be fun. Pete Carroll made football fun over and over and over again. And that's especially what we have to celebrate Pete Carroll for everything. He did. Pete Carroll made football fun. He was fun to have on the sidelines. I hope that whomever comes next, that we'd love to just see them. I don't want to Matt Eberflus or whatever. Like we don't want to have to be like, oh, that's the freaking coach. We've been very blessed in the city of Seattle to go from Mike Holmgren to Pete Carroll in the same way that at UW, we were able to go from Chris Peterson to Kalen DeBoer. There were blips in between there, but to, to have a couple of legendary coaches back-to-back is an amazing thing. And the organization is in such a good place that we can have these conversations about any head coach. There is no head coach who is off limits. The Seattle Seahawks to me is probably the, I mean, you could weigh it between the chargers. They're still the chargers. They don't have a fan base. Like they're in LA, they have Justin Herbert, but they don't have a fan base. I think this is the number one job on the market, and. What Pete Carroll has done and what Mike Holmgren did and the organization in general and just being so steady as an organization means that they can go talk to any coach in the world. It's not far-fetched to have a conversation about Jim Harbaugh, who probably is the hottest coaching candidate. I don't even really know how to balance that. But they could have a conversation with anybody because of where this organization is and because of the talent that's on the roster and how consistent they've been. So. I think P. Carroll has done an incredible service to the Seahawks and the city of Seattle.
1: I mean, we'll see if P. Carroll eventually doesn't coach, because again, the slogan is win forever. And I, I was going back through my Pete Carroll emails to see if I could find anything that I had written when the Seahawks first hired him, which sadly I didn't. But it, it, my first reference to the idea of Pete Carroll actually believing that he could live and coach forever predates the Pelton cast. It was from August 2013. So maybe someday he will not coach and he will come back and be part of that you know group of people coming back, that, that organization. And I hope that's the case and, and we'll celebrate everything that Pete Carroll accomplished here.
2: So So, Yeah. A a great day to celebrate what Pete Carroll brought us for a period of these last 15 years. The greatest heights in Seahawks history. Some of the most fun games. Literally, if you ask me most fun games in Seahawks history, it's all the Pete Carroll era. You know, like there's maybe a small handful before then, but he's both coached forever and had some of the most fun games. When you look back at it, like, I mean, you have the tip winning the Super Bowl, the next conference championship game. The Beastquake? the beast quake in his first season, but also just the like weekly battles playing against the Texans and Deshaun Watson playing against the Steelers in those games, like uh, the game at Baltimore where Thomas Rawls, I think ended up getting injured, but like that, that time period beating the Niners so many times over and over and over again, Thanksgiving day, beating the Niners like Pete Carroll. Oh, the one in uh, uh, Russ's rookie year, beating the Niners on like December 23rd or whatever, when it was just like, this is it. We're the best team on the face of the earth. In fact, I was talking with uh, Zach Shabal at his birthday party uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how, like, there, it's such a fun moment when you know that you have the best team, and then they back it up on the field, because that almost never happens. You almost never, like, we here understand this thing that I feel like nobody else gets, and then, I'm sure this is how Baltimore's feeling right now, they're going out there, and they're not just winning these games, they are destroying the 49ers like this. See that Seahawks team from that year, that three, four year period was so much fun to watch. And they fucking talked their shit and they backed it up and they beat teams and they beat teams badly. They crushed Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl and they should have won two in a row. So, what P. Carroll could have accomplished is extraordinarily impressive. But just having a team at that level that you knew was so good and then backed it up nobody can do that and to have Pete Carroll presiding over it with just a little bit of cockiness like Pete Carroll was such an amazing coach to lead that team and to let those personalities shine it was never about Pete Carroll it was never it was always about the players and he let them be them it's an awesome coach
1: all right. On that note, we'll obviously have plenty of continuing coverage of the Seahawks coaching search. I think once they have a head coach, we'll do sort of the state of the team annual postseason piece with Ben Baldwin. It didn't feel right to do it now and probably not during the midst of this search. But uh, uh, on that note, thanks for listening.
2: Thanks for Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Thanks, Pete.
1: All right.
2: Who do you, I, I really have no idea who I want. Ben Johnson,
1: I'm willing within certain bounds to trust the team on this one. I
2: just don't like Frable. I think Jim Harbaugh would be really incredible. It would be to, funny to have also in the NFC again, like. After, I feel like it like would take away some of the sting of the national championship game if we hired Jim Harbaugh.
1: Yeah, unless Michigan hired Kalen DeBoer as his replacement. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't think they're going to do. But, and it, then we'd have
2: like, to hire Jesse Minter. It's <laughs> not like
1: Harbaugh's not coming to the NFL anyway.
2: <laughs> We're just going to keep going back and forth at <laughs> arms race. <laughs> we already got Courtney Morgan.
1: Is this like when the Seahawks uh, signed Nate Burleson to the poison <laughs> yeah. pill offer shoot?
2: Yeah, you know what? I think. Uh, I think the Vikings won that one. I think so, too. Uh, I I feel like it's... I think there's a strong possibility. Just seeing that Dan Quinn name be thrown around right away. Oh, it seems like the most likely outcome. But I would love Kellen Moore. Or even, I wouldn't be shocked if Dan Quinn...
1: Hired Kellen Moore?
2: Well, hired Kellen Moore, but also kept Shane Waldron, too. Yeah. Dan, Dan Quinn, he knows good coordinators. When Sark retires, bitch. <laughs> Bring him <laughs> back.